Hello everyone, welcome to episode 913 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves has returned for 2021 in Chicago, kicking off Thursday, September 23rd and running through Sunday the 26th at Metro, Smart Bar, and G-Man. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for suicide prevention charities. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we're chatting with Friday Metro headliners, Jonathan and David. This is Clipping. Sound this our family do. Only homies around, everyone here is crew. Something foul in the air, something feeling askew. Wind is in the pipes, is that whistle calling for you? Don't holler, it's cool. Windows boarded and sealed, doors are bolted and locked. Product cooking on pace, weaponry fully stocked. Bodies sleeping in shifts, other bodies keep watch. Bullets of an antibody cop running up in the spot The pop, the pop, drop, the lights are drop low Something shot from the trees Went straight through the front door Homie dropped to his knees Blood seeping from his neck As he struggled to breathe Wooden floors stained wet Gets off the more that he bleeds He leaves, believed it, no one told me what was coming But it creeping on the come up, now it's right up in your face Face it, let it resonate up in your bone a minute When you shiver, make a sliver big enough for it to have a space Ripped life slipping away. Maybe you can make it out with just a little bit of grace. But it truly doesn't give a fuck about the fear you feel. And it is here to make you understand that nothing is safe. Nothing is, nothing is safe. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is safe. Nothing to pray for. Nothing is safe. Nothing is, nothing is. Cut the light and stay low. All is quiet and still. Peering through the window, staring over the field. Scent of death in the air, nothing out there looks real. Close the homies' eyes, now is not the time to be feeling really load up. Furniture, low walls, barricade you inside. Lose the lights in the hallways, everyone gon' be fine. Phone that no one should call, starts to ring in one time. All the homies' eyes slide to it, then the ball split from the outside. The air rushes in, it's cold as fuck, bullets slapping like hell. More homies struck down, the mission has failed. The wood is split, splinter chandelier falls and smashes hard glass and steel everywhere. In every throat, screams and protest, you all are dying. And really, will anyone care? Truth like death comes for everyone. Barely had to summon what was coming, it was creeping on the come up that was right up in your face. Face it, let it resonate up in your bone a minute. When you shiver, make us live a big enough for it to have a space. Ripped life. Slipping away, maybe you can make it out with just a little bit of grace But it truly doesn't give a fuck about the thing you feel And it is here to make you understand that nothing is safe Nothing is, nothing is safe Nothing is sacred Nothing is safe Nothing to pray for Nothing is safe Nothing is Nothing is Death is coming for you, but you already knew that Thought the click up brought you some safety up in this pack but that didn't add up, back up, stand up, strike a pose What you get up, that's what they like, you suppose They go rack up, stack up, that stuff that you stole But the fact of status, wrapped up in black coat Caskets cannot be ignored Running so fast, shit had an award Homies got gas for cash from that score 
more Y'all could have made a dash just after one more So you put up on the gas and smash round the corner Only one man was sent to the coroner Wasn't part of the plan but damn the fast forward and Whip was too quick to flip and fast forward With the past smashed every wall pillar and floorboard Ashes to ashes dust in the lung Fired out when everything gasoline been poured Last piece of action for you to come Just catch a glance of what could have done There's something about how we box remind you of someone You look and see a gun, a man with no face A golden halo that could be the sun Long ago you saw me what was coming It was creeping on a come up, now it's right up in your face Face it, let it resonate up in your bone a minute When you shiver, make it still big enough for it to have a space Ripped life, slipping away Maybe you can make it out with just a little bit of grace But it truly doesn't give a fuck about the freaking feeling It is here to make you understand that nothing is safe Nothing is, nothing is safe Nothing is sacred Nothing is safe, nothing to pray for Nothing is safe, nothing is Nothing is I've never been, but I'm aware of the festival just because like exactly in my like line of bands and things I pay attention to. Like it's gonna be super fun for us too because we haven't played a show in two years. Our first show, like not just a camera, you know. Right, right, yeah. We've played live in a studio for no audience, but uh this is the first the first time back, which like is is nerve-wracking for me, honestly. I mean, like, super exciting, but, like, it's a whole different, it's such a different muscle yeah. than, than recording. And, like, um, and like generally, the first one is a disaster, so I hope we get to rehearse some before, <laughs> before we do the thing. I, I saw you did, uh, what I saw was called a, a clipping set with bees, a netherrap benefit concert in Minecraft. There, there's so many things in there that there's, I don't understand most of those words. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. That was a funny one uh, to do. I mean, like we've been kind of taking all of these like pandemic, you know, live at home concerts sort of one at a time and like kind of trying to come up with a different concept and a different idea for each one. I had started making these, I guess I made the first one for our Tiny Desk concert I made like this like club remix of Nothing Is Safe, one of our songs. We made the song and I was like, oh, I, I know how the like dark disco, like synth wave, like Georgie Marauder style, like remix of this is gonna work someday. And we, we even recorded drums for it and I just never made it and just sat on it. And then when we got to, we were doing our tiny desk, I was like, oh, I should just make that. And we should end with that because that'll be the new unique thing. It turns out it's like everybody's favorite moment of that. <laughs> concert i mean it's super good and part of that was like just like a, a practical like we wanted to use like a dancier version of it if we wanted to play that song 
mid set or like later in the set as opposed to as an opening where it's like feels like it's really structured to be an opening of a set but like as we have new songs we kind of want to be able to shuffle it around anyway it doesn't matter but like so i made that and then i and i was like oh what am i just like make a bunch of those and we'll string them together and we'll call the project uh clubbing clbbng david was really busy and i was like here's this pitch for this minecraft thing i'll just like make a club mix of clipping remixes and then you just do hype vocals over it like one take that's it <laughs> like that's a thing we it can was, accomplish yeah yeah it, it was really hard <laughs> to get me to do things during this uh because i've been shooting a tv show over the last nine months or whatever and like that <laughs> so that was also the first time i'd listened to it straight through which was so fun because it's yeah. so good actually like jonathan really outdid himself on that <laughs> so like most of my hype vocals are me just being genuinely impressed by how cool the thing is. <laughs> you mentioned tiny desks, and I, I noticed you you literally made tiny desks for that. And it looked like, you know, using a lavalier mic as your, as your tiny mic is, is a lot easier than making a tiny MacBook or the tiny, you know, MIDI controllers or any of that stuff. So Christina, uh, Jonathan's wife, made those tiny desks. And it was totally her idea, too. And they're super amazing. The gear is exactly to scale. It's like really <laughs> phenomenal. I spent like three hours like wiring Bill's pedal board accurately. <laughs> like the ins and the like it's accurately wired. <laughs> and she made me a tiny desk too with a beautiful like tiny mic. But shipping it to Canada, it turns out, was like a whole thing. And we were going to miss the deadline to record the thing. So I just went out and bought Jonathan was like, get this, if you can find this mic, get it. So I bought a little lab that looks like a 58 and then used my mouse pad as like and positioned to the camera. So it looked like maybe the surface of a desk. Yeah. And then the day after we recorded it, that desk showed up. <laughs> so you'll need to save it for the future. Yeah. <laughs> for part two. Uh, I wanted to go into your, your process a little bit because you know, something like Splendor and Misery or, or your last two albums. I wanted to know, do you come up with an idea first or does the music come first and that inspire the, the lyrical themes? Or, you know, do, do you think that this is the idea we want to do first and then you have to go back and change the music because the lyrical ideas inform the music or how, how does that direction go? Um, it's happened, I guess, a bunch of different ways over the course of our existence, but generally how it goes now is like, uh, Jonathan's always making things and Bill and Jonathan are making things quite often. And I'm probably the slowest part of the process at this point, but like at a certain point, things start pointing in a direction and it's like, well, maybe that's the thing we're making next. But this band, the one thing this band isn't short of on is ideas. There, there's like plenty of ideas. There's very little time. Uh, but there, between the three of us, there are plenty of ideas. It seems like between album cycles, whatever that means, which for us isn't really a thing, but like when we're making a thing, we kind of know that's the thing we're making. And between that, we're sort of making things as we can. And eventually they'll point in the direction and be like, all right, this idea is the next one we're going to work on now. So that's kind of the horror records ideas was a thing we had many, many years ago. But when the song started sort of pointing in that direction, it was like, well, we should we should finally make this idea. Yeah. And then we and then we kind of committed to that. We made the song that became Club Down and we made that like actually 
around the time we were making the stuff that became the Riggle EP, but we liked that song so much and it felt like it was from a different world um, that we were like, well, we just need to make our next record a horror record and then this will be the, uh, the first song from that record. So we're going to hang on to that. <laughs> it took six years or something to actually make that record and we made another one in between. So yeah, the, the overall album themes, which... I mean, really, it's just Splendor and Misery. Splendor and Misery was like a, I don't remember how that really happened. I think we just knew we wanted to make a science fiction record. Um, and, and the idea was to make a very short, simple concept record, which, of course, didn't work out at all. Um, like, it took forever and was really complicated. But I think it was also because we had done CLPPNG, which is just, which is like how rap albums work. We, you know, it was all the songs we had made in this particular time. And they were all sort of in a different world. And we were like, well, let's focus. It will be cool to do something that's a little more focused, but we thought it would be really short and we'd be out of it quickly. Yeah, and then the the horror record was definitely inspired by that one song. And I think looking forward, it's like, we know what the next record or the next, we have like several ideas for new records. And we've made like a couple of songs here and there that like might be the sort of tip of that iceberg that we'll explore. Song to song, I think it is his work sort of every way you describe, like sometimes most often the beat comes first, especially now, but very occasionally, like rarely, like sometimes we'll make a beat David will write to it. And we'll kind of, we'll say like, I don't know if that is the right beat for those words. And we like, I will have written good words, but they do not work. Yeah. It does not make a song. And we'll sort of split the two and then either remake the beat or rewrite the words, you know, or both. And I'm not sure that both have ever happened. Like, I'm not sure we can point to two songs and say like, oh, those words went over that originally. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that exists. But there's definitely like lyrics that were written for one thing that totally didn't work that ended up being another song. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we wouldn't throw them away. But there's like there's not a lot of like outtakes or b-sides in this band right like we usually if if a song gets finished it's because we really like it and if it doesn't if it's like something that we don't like that we're not going to put on an album it usually doesn't reach a point where it's in any state that we could ever show to anybody you know it's like 30 seconds of a beat with like half a verse on it and then we're just like nah it's not worth you know there's one totally fin finished song that Bill won't let us put out. That's true. The, we're, I'm only we're, I'm only talking about it because he's not here. Yeah, yeah I yeah. was gonna say he, he's not here right now, so you just you just put it on right now. <laughs> he would be so mad. Oh my god. The other, I mean, the the like rule of this band is the three of us have to be into it for us to put it out, which is has never been an issue except for this one song. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's a matter of, of something that maybe needs convincing or might happen in the future? Or have you given up on it? No, no, Bill's right. Uh, but I think Jonathan and my tolerance for silly shit is a lot higher than Bill's is. And so like, it's definitely a silly ass song, but it's also definitely really good. But he's trying to maintain the integrity of the band a little bit. He's, he's not wrong, but the song is really good. I think we can fix his problems with it. I think that that's torture to your fans, though, to be like, we have this one song that I really like that you'll never hear. Most people don't know about it, but if they're listening to this, I guess they do. Yeah, <laughs> they should definitely harass Bill about it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, make sure. Yeah, Bill is running the Clipping Twitter account, and so just, like, flood it yeah. with put that one song out. That, and he also, he also won't let us make the Christmas album David and I want to make. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you you guys are giving me great stuff right now. The, the the goal is always for someone to isolate a clip and have it hit like Rolling Stone or, uh, or Spin <laughs> or something, and be like, you know, that clickbait headline just to get people. And yeah. I'll say, and the Cold Waves <laughs> podcast, which ninety nine percent of you have not heard of. They <laughs> clipping says there's a Christmas. Ninety nine percent of you have also yeah. not heard of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now we got now we got one percent of one percent. Yeah. That's the true clipping <laughs> clipping fan base. Yeah, that's that, that's it right there. At one percent of the one percent. Outside, blood stains on the carpet, and it 
Elbow length gloves, thigh high fish nets in the garden God's son crucified on a necklace Hang just where breast heave and body She got a she make him pray to the sex life and death She doze and when she body rolls See how the party go dumb and the pills dissolve Tongue gets in room revolve more than a few will fall Black light a new resolve She getting more She don't need you for shit but your dick and your veins and your guts and your talk a little bit about about the stories i don't want to get you to explain anything because i i think all the fun is in the mystery and people's different ideas and interpretations but i i just want to know a little bit on the high level when you decided that you you wanted something that just runs thematically through the albums and maybe some things tie into other things if you're listening really closely or there's an easter egg in one song that might come up with something and story number three is missing. And, and there's theories about if you use your GPS coordinates and you go to some spot, maybe you'll dig <laughs> up a, a cassette tape. Everybody should go to those coordinates, but. Uh, well, RIP, that place is not there anymore. I know, but, I know. Yeah, it's very sad, but. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, there's no reason to be gone. But go anyway, as a pilgrim. Um, the you know for me and i think probably the origin of the stories for each of us is different but we, when we sort of started figuring out what this band was and realized at least from a lyrical perspective that it shouldn't have first person uh narratives in it there aren't a ton of examples in rap music of that one of them is raekwon uh raekwon raps like this a lot and so a lot of the early days of me figuring out how to do this was like me copying things that raekwon had done but uh but also around the same time was when Meek Mill's first Tony Story song came out. And I was super enamored with that because it was just a, it was all, all third person like storytelling about this like gangster story about Tony. And there are a few examples of that historically in rap music. And I just wanted to do one of those. And I think the, the idea for the stories came from a few different places, but for me, as like the writer, it was like, oh, that's cool. This is like, this is a thing that has precedent in rap music. Because at the time we were like, we we make rap songs, right? So like, how are we a rap band? There's a thing I could point to very particularly and be like, this is the thing that happens in rap. And it's a thing that we can do that doesn't break the rules of our band. And so it was a cool thing to lean into. We're all, uh, we all have theater degrees in this band, some more degrees than others. I have the fewest degrees in this band. And we all work in TV and film as well. And so like the stories lend themselves to the, like the scope of our talents in a, in a particular way. Um, so it makes sense as a band that we would do a bunch of them. And like, it's fun to continue a narrative and to keep introducing new characters. It is a lot like 
it's like writing for TV, except you do it like, you know, once every couple of years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am also really interested in this idea that I, I think I probably like ran into re- reading like Grant Morrison comics or something. This idea that like you can build a fictional world in which everything is canon and everything is true, even the stuff that contradicts itself. Right. <laughs> and so uh, or, or like especially that stuff. Right. And then how do you deal with that? And I think that's a really I mean, like, I'm really into the way that fans try to, like, draw all these connections in the story songs. Like, they know more about it than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we are being less precious and we're more excited about, like, breaking things and, like, but we're also really, really excited every time there are these synchronicities. And when we find them, we kind of try to capitalize on them and make them more true. Like, there are all, all kinds of little secrets and connections and things that people haven't figured out or that we know that we haven't actually made explicit yet anywhere or like you know it's um Mm -hmm. like ways that the story songs tie into uh other things that are not clipping songs and stuff like that too yeah yeah Yeah. really fun for us when i've been listening to to your albums for the last couple weeks getting ready for the interview i was going on genius lyrics which i don't really go on a lot and and it made me realize you know there are uh, annotations for almost every single line of lyrics. And it makes me think that there's probably two types of fans that you have, you know, there's probably the ones that listen to it and they're just, you know, having a workout and the intense beat or whatever just helps them push through whatever they're doing. And I'm sure they're the ones that just pour over every lyric and be like, this is a reference to this nineties horror movie or the, the and this is a reference to this rap, rap album from like four years ago so it's like do you think about whether fans are just casually listening or if they're pouring into it or at the end of the day you're just kind of doing what you're doing and and if people are into it that's cool i think this is the music that the three of us are capable of making together that's kind of how this band worked out and so i think because of the way that we operate we are all we all like are a little more into like process and we're a little like uh more academic and nerdier than probably a lot of people making rap songs but also we all love pop music you know um and so hopefully if you like the band uh you're getting something out of it and i think it has what's interesting about it is that like what we discovered pretty early on is as long as the metric is that the three of us really like the song, then it is a clipping song, then it's something we can put out. It seems like for a number of people, there's sort of a broad enough of a cross-section of interest for all of us that like that adds up to something that they also like. And that's pretty cool because it seems like as long as we continue to maintain that as the metric, like it allows it to keep being pretty experimental and for us to keep trying things. But also because we're just people who share interests with other people, people seem to be able to find their way into it. It's been nice. And I think surprising, you know, various things have come along and there'll be an influx of people listening to the music because of whatever, because I did a musical or something. So like these things will happen. And you sort of expect, I don't know, certainly when I did Hamilton and all these like Hamilton fans came to clipping, I was like, they're going to hate this. And that wasn't the case. Like so many people share the same interest that I have. And so they've like found themselves in it as well. Particularly these kids, kids, kids like this fan, which is cool. My daughter's a Hamilton fan, but she is not allowed to be a clipping fan yet. She's uh, a... <laughs> yeah. 
She's only six, so she. Uh, I yeah. can't imagine how many nights she would spend in my bed after listening to a uh-huh. song. That's that's how I would do it too. But we also, you know, I remember the first time we really, I really experienced this firsthand. We played a show in Orlando. <laughs> We were we were opening for the Flaming Lips, but the House of Blues in Orlando wouldn't allow clipping to play because it's on Disney property. And despite all three of us working for Disney in various capacities, they would not allow us to, <laughs> to play at the House of Blues. So you had to book another show. And uh, we're like, you know, we play the show. And it's with this great band, They Hate Change. And it was like an awesome show. And it was cool and it was like packed and like the kids were moshing and it was awesome. And we're like talking to, you know, lining up, talking to folks afterwards. And this um, uh, like man who's probably in his early forties and his daughter who's maybe 14 or something come up and she's asking me to sign her like Hamilton book. <laughs> and he was like, this is the only thing we have in common is this band. We both love this band. And we drove all the way down here from Philadelphia to see your band because we both love it. And we listened to all of your records the whole way down. And like, just thank you for this band. It gives me something to talk to my daughter about who's a teenager and she's a lunatic. Like, I don't understand her, (laughs) but we really agree about this. And that was like uh, such a cool moment for me, you know, something totally unintended but like that. I was like, oh, Maybe that's who this is for, you know? <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the horror themes, especially since, you know, your last two albums, you know, were, were heavily thematic. You know, my wife and I finished watching Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country a couple months ago on HBO. And that just seemed like a huge missed opportunity right there, where I feel like that entire show could have been hand in hand with like the, the last two clipping albums. Are you really bummed there isn't a season two? Because I swear if there was a season two and you guys weren't involved with that, like there's no just justice in the universe. I don't know. It's like, I yeah, I mean, that show is amazing. Of course, we would love to be involved with things like that. But it was also perfect. Like, I don't know what we would have added. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I want to work on it because I want to work on things that are good with people who are smart and people are good. But if those people are making things that I'm like, they don't. They clearly don't need me. <laughs> you know? right, right, right. It did. It did fine. Uh, I mean, I guess it didn't get a season two, but it, I think that that has a lot to do with other other things about it yeah. too. But uh, we sure. would not have prevented. Like, I don't think we would yeah. have. Uh, yeah, we I don't think we were them. tipping the scales off. Um, <laughs> no, but it's you know what it means is that like people around our age who are like starting to come into their own in, in the various industries, right? We're starting to be the people who people listen to are also genre heads, you know? And like, uh, and really understand genre and feel like personally connected to it and want to continue to live in that space. You know, Jordan is representative of that, but there's a ton of creatives out there right now who are sort of in that realm and it means there's a fan base for it too. So that's, it's cool and instructive and, and all of that. But that show is really good. Super good. Get your ass down to the floor. It's so gone. Ten toes down, but nothing to stand on. Get a handle on yourself. Hands are clammy, hands are cold. 
face that way How you looking at your face When your face is on your face This is something you should face You should fuck this song slapped up All they face is facing wrong Looking out we got you lost Can't they see they seeing backwards Ugh. Somebody turn this shit up Everything's frozen, the world is faster now Look at it go All of the cataracts floating outside of your vision Are inching in, what do they know? They are just dust, they are just birds They are just dragons, they are just nerves Up to the end, are they getting closer? Are they spilling words? Their shattered mirror picture clearer than yours? Pick up the pieces, pick up the cues like a human, see what you need, <laughs> fuck are you doing, riding round euphoria with hammers out the window, whistle crippling crap and rainbow, make it rain dance for your people, put a pound of joy up in the pill and crush it down to powder, let it sit under your tongue and check back in about an hour, it's that love of love and lost, it's that lost that love and Saw yourself return a man to dust The things you dreamed in lieu of all the hells were just imagination Cause you couldn't bear to see the limit of yourself For what it was, the good you wear on sleeves just isn't much Your body is the drug you love, you crush Make the most of magic, map the math of it Master mouthpiece and extract a pass from it Plummet, plummet, plum pit, fruit, summit Some shit, some shit, loop, loop, feedback Look, see that, bloody sack you used to be that The mind is a facade, the blind idiot God will guide to your demise, so fine, let it be gone On this episode, you heard Nothing is Safe, Body and Blood, and Enlacing. Clipping can be found at clppng.bandcamp.com. 
Our opening music is Euthanasia by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Morg Witch. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Jamie Duffy. Here is Jamie's mom, Pat Duffy, a.k.a. Mama Kid, sharing another memory. I can't do whole, everybody, you know, I mean, this is honest to God, here's, this is something else that's hilarious. I'm asking my 10 and, you know, 12 year old child, everybody's saying that this is a really good horror flick. And he goes, oh, it is mom. Can I watch it without night, nightmares? And he go, yes, mom. You know, I mean, like I'm asking my child, can I watch this movie? Because I do not like horror flicks. When Jamie and I watched Nightmare on Elm Street together, because I think I don't know if we rented it or whatever, but there'd be certain parts and even he'd be like, oh, let's just see what's on TV right now. You know, and he would like flip the channel over to what's on TV, you know, and then it'd be like, and then we go back to it and you go, okay, this looks okay. Cause he was younger, you know, but he knew that his mother was going to have bad dreams. <laughs> did he already know what was coming up in the scene? So was he censoring it for you or did he just have a, he had a feel for what was coming and he knew it probably wouldn't be good. He might have had a feel or like, you know, yeah, some type of certain things. But then we graduated to one night I come home and he, and I don't know who he was with. They're watching eight millimeter. You know, at some point I turned over and, you know, I'm looking over at Jamie and I'm like, I'm like, we're always broaching new territory when it comes to watching weird flicks together, aren't we?